I promise you, when you put it up and you see that yoke, you can't do nothing but get your roll on. You can't do nothing but get your roll on. A dumb play by, by Anderson. I love I love Anderson. But it was a dumb play when he had when his foot was uh, shoe was coming off up the line because we were hard take timeout. Monday, December 27th, the Vikings once again have fallen below 500. They are now seven and eight on the season. And Ryan Landine is here. Let me ask you this, Ryan. So the looking at the box score here from yesterday, the Vikings lose to the Rams at home. The Vikings outgained the Rams only by five yards, but still they held them under 200 yards passing and forced three turnovers. So my question to you is why did the Vikings or how did the Vikings lose this game? I would say there was a couple things. One, the the ground game on both sides of the ball. Yes. Um, Sony Michelle, I think, had 130 yards or something along those lines. Um, which, if you would have asked me as I was leaving the stadium, I would have said that I would have said he had more than that. It seemed like he was averaging 10 a carry, and we were just lucky that they didn't force feed him the ball. Um, so that was one. And then special teams, the, the Vikings definitely lost the battle in regards to special teams. The Rams obviously had the punt return for a touchdown. Um, but further than that, um, the Vikings started. They short kicked us a couple times and got yeah pinned us deep. Yeah. I think we had a couple kickoffs that we couldn't get outside of our 15. Yeah. Um, I would say, look up the, uh, average starting field position but if you factor in turnovers the vikings should yeah. have a very good starting field position so those are the the two main things i would point to for for this loss yeah yeah i didn't mention rushing yards which obviously was the big disparity the other direction 159 rushing yards for the rams and 66 for the vikings so um the vikings couldn't i mean they just got beat on the line of scrimmage on both sides the whole game And Dalvin Cook obviously was out for this game with COVID, which is something we kind of expected at the beginning of the season, like knowing how the, what the numbers and stuff look like for the Vikings being like one of the least vaccinated teams in the league that you're going to probably have a guy, one of your captains, one of your most important players miss a a key game. And this is when it happens. So that's unfortunate, but they still couldn't get the running game going with Madison at all. And I mean, definitely the biggest swing play is the punt return. And people are mad because of the blocks in the back and stuff, which I get. But I think you're still giving the ball to the Rams at like midfield there either way after the Vikings had to punt once again. Um, the Vikings offense was two for 12 on third down in this game. So I still come back to a lot of the offensive issues and specifically capitalizing off of those turnovers. So first one, Bar gets a pick and stumbles or else it would have been a pick six. And then immediately the Vikings... Um, 
Kirk either. I don't know if he got sacked or there was a hold or both or a tripping. I think it was the trip play. Um, so they lose yards, um, end up. It was like the most classic series for the Vikings offense because it was sack, um, screen, throw short of the sticks, field goal. Like if that's four plays that you can put as vintage Vikings offense in 2021, that's it. So so that was just not being able to capitalize the touchdown off. That was huge. And then the other one, um, Stafford throws a basically an arm punt in the be- in the beginning of the second half, which is a big stop for the Vikings defense. And they, I think they went three and out right off that too, or maybe they got a first down. They did, they did get, not score though. Yeah. Yeah. They got one first down, um, but it was like a, a conversion on third and eight plus, I believe. Um, it was definitely looking like a three and out to, to give the ball right back. Yeah. And then, all the credit to them. They did get the two yards they needed to when Barr got another pick and got tackled on the two-yard line. They punched that one in, so that was good at least. But still, um, I just think that the, the turnover discussion was kind of one of the big ones after the game yesterday because this is now, I think it's four games the Vikings have lost when they've had plus two or more in the turnover um, ratio uh, compared to the opponent. Um, with it being this game, the Cowboys game, the Cardinals game, and there was one other one, I don't know if Baltimore or another one, um, which is just crazy. Like that's usually you think turnovers are one of the key indicators of winning in the NFL. And I know Zimmer's always emphasized it. So um, I was, I told you before we started recording, I was going to tell you this. So the Vikings are forced 25 turnovers on the season, which is, I mean, I guess a little over two a game. So that's, oh no, no, sorry a little under two a game. Um, so not a ton, but still they've had some games when they've forced a lot of turnovers and given up opportunity to the offense. They have scored 65 points total off of those 25 turnovers. So less than a field goal per turnover, which is just not what you want. I think that that's one of the biggest issues with this season and these games that they've lost in those ones is not being able to capitalize off those um, opportunities that the defense has given you. Right. Um, before I get too far, I do have to give a shout out. My brother-in-law, Hayden Vavra, did call an Anthony Barr pick six um, before the game started. We were at the game together. We should and, have been the first one, yeah. Gosh, he uh, <laughs> after the first one, he was like, man, I felt like I, I had it after he, but he stumbled. And then as the second one was happening and he gets tackled on the two, I go, I don't know, man. I feel like it's... <laughs> Three, three picks one of them all of them being with inside inside the 10 and taking one to the house is going to be quite the game for anthony Barr. um quite the revenge game after yep. after the rams did him dirty in the past but um yeah the vikings capitalizing off turnovers is 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 such a huge reason why they lose these games that they win the turnover battle i don't know if they like they see a turnover so that causes Kirk to be more conservative or causes Clint to be more conservative because they don't want to turn it right back over. But it, it just seems like, I don't know, throughout the whole game, it seemed like everybody watching and in the stadium knew that we needed to abandon the run other than Clint Kubiak, which the the one carry that stands out in my mind was um, the, the carry we gave to Keeney Nwangu inside the 10 yard line. Like yeah. this this guy is between great. the tackles. He's got the, he's got the two 
return touchdown, kickoff return touchdown. It's like, like this guy definitely is special in space and inside the 10, inside the tackles is there's not going to be any space. So I they ran Madison just... right into Donald a couple times too. Just like, why are we targeting the hole that Aaron Donald is, is lined up over? I don't understand. Right. And um, obviously Oli Uda had the worst um, offensive grade from pro football focus, which not expecting a lot when you have Aaron Donald jumping around, but, um, and what he's done to this season to this point, yeah. we, I wasn't expecting big things, but yeah, it just seems like the, the Vikings do not adjust their game plan to who they're playing. I mean, last week they had the bears with the entire practice squad secondary, and we were focused on running the ball and then, Obviously, the Rams have Jalen Ramsey, but the, their other corners, I feel like, are suspect, and we still think running the ball, minus Delvin Cook, our, our focus. So, Yeah, I don't want to come off as someone that thinks that this Vikings defense is good because it's not. This is not like a scenario where, you know, I think of like the Lovey Smith Bears teams and some other ones where it's like you have this all-time defense that has to carry you and you know that the defense has to score because the offense can't. This is not the case for the Vikings. But I do think that there's been multiple games that the Vikings probably should have won this year where the defense gave them enough opportunities to win, and they the offense failed to you know capitalize on that. And I think yesterday is one of those. So I just think that the blame, when the blame's going to go around for this season, it needs to be just more, more even between the two units because this is supposed to – we all knew this was going to be an offense-heavy team. And it just has not been able to live up to what is needed to um, in some of these games when the defense has given those opportunities. That being said, the defense still dropped even more interceptions yesterday. There were at least two more that hit people in the hands that they should have had. So could have been even better. Um, just an all-time Stafford. I don't know what he was doing yesterday. I don't trust him in the playoffs. Let me just say that. And that gives me hope that someone might ch- trade for Kirk Cousins because if they talk themselves into Stafford, like what's the difference? Right. And I think um, I think you have two great landing spots for Kirk if you want to trade him. Stefanski knows mm-hmm. what you can get out of Kirk. And I think this year has shown he knows what he can get out of Baker. Um, and Kirk's ceiling is, is quite higher. And then the 49ers, their, their quarterback play, I think, has been the one thing holding them back. And who knows? Um, with Trey Lance, if, if yep. he's the guy, but um, Shanahan is obviously familiar with Kirk. And if they think they're a quarterback away, like the Vikings did three, four years ago, <laughs> maybe, maybe we can bamboozle them into a trade. Yeah. Pittsburgh and Denver are the two other ones too, that have been thrown out there. So we'll have plenty of time to talk about this as we get into the off season. Let me just say that I am, fully ready to move on from Kirk Cousins. If he wins the next two games and gets to the playoffs and does something, maybe we can have another conversation, but I am the play that sticks up, sticks out to me from yesterday is I think it was the first time the Vikings got into the red zone and actually no, cause I think the pick was the first time. Anyways, it doesn't matter. We got third and goal from like the five and this is after already running Madison, which was inexplicable, but, um, and Kirk, you know, drops back and just fires it to Madison in the flat not even beyond the line of scrimmage and he's fully covered and he it, it gets knocked away. It's incomplete. So it's a check down. That's not even open. Um, 
short of the goal line on third and goal, which that's just the stuff that he does. And that's just who he is. And he's just not, he doesn't have the mindset to be better than that, in my opinion. And there's a lot of good things about Kirk. Again, we'll talk about this a lot more, but that play was just, when I saw him do that, I was like, Oh, it's going to be one of those games for Kirk. Yeah. For sure. And they actually asked him about it in his post-game press conference. And and he said, you know, I was just trying to put the ball in a safe spot, which is just insane to me that you've got third and goal from the five. The the that's if the that ball, ball is a half a second spot, later, that's a pick six, too. That's not safe. That guy was covered. Exactly. He was on Madison. The safe spot is thrown out of the back of the end zone 30 feet in the air. If if you need a safe throw, that's your safe throw. What the fact that we're even running that that route is insane to me like even if madison wasn't covered the way that route was setting up there's no way he keeps his feet inbounds to mm-hmm. score yeah like his momentum's carrying him maybe he gets two feet inbounds to secure the catch but he's not getting to the pylon so yeah it's just those type of plays that for kirk being a very cerebral quarterback you would think he'd have the understanding that all right my First read is hopefully Justin running a fade. And I've got a couple other options that both should result in touchdowns. If those aren't there, throw it out of the back of the end zone if you need a safe play. But Or extend the play. You're allowed to do that too. I know he's not like time. No, he's, he, he just gets Kurt's off by not. saying he's a timing quarterback and can't like think beyond three seconds. So I guess that's where we're okay with that apparently. But there were times, I mean, I get that he's concerned about the pressure, but he's got some, some clean pockets that he will throw out of when he does not need to. So yeah, to a check down. And the thing about the check downs is so weird this year. I don't know if it's a flaw in Clint's system, which would not surprise me, but these are not open check downs. <laughs> like you th- like if it's a scenario where like you're sending people deep and the running back is in the flat with, you know, 10 yards in front of them, which is what happens a lot against us. I feel like then I understand that, especially when you got Dalvin cook, like make a guy miss, but these guys are covered. The, the the defenders are getting to the ball or to the to our receiver or running back or tight end or whoever as the ball is getting there. Like they're not open at all. They're not going to get any yards after the catch or have a chance to make someone miss or anything. So I don't get those checkdowns. It seems like it's happened to Conklin a lot this year um, and the running backs. So it's just a, I don't know. I think the biggest yeah. thing, we'll have another retrospective on the Vikings offense, I'm sure, after the season. But like the running game just has never been there this year other than that um, Pittsburgh Ceiling. game. Yeah. Right. To the extent it was last year. And I get that we want to throw more, which I agree with, but we haven't been able to establish like the zone running scheme that, you know, Clint's father perfected or whatever. And it just hasn't been on the same level this year. So that's, I think that that's what's supposed to be built on. And then that's a, a shaky foundation. And the, so from there, they're just kind of, trying to figure out what they can do and there's no real identity to the offense other than thankfully targeting Justin quite a bit. So I'm happy for that, but otherwise it's just not built to be a multifaceted offense. Yeah. I I even go back on the first couple Vikings recaps that we did. We had talked about the, the Vikings need to understand the identity of this team is going to be on the back of the offense, which they maybe have understood, but they they think that it's the running game, which it's not the, the identity of this team needs to be scoring as many points as possible. And 
and using Justin and Adam and KJ Osborne, um, Conklin to even that effect. And, and it, it's just not there. I mean, the time of possession was pretty evenly split yesterday, but the, this team, the defense isn't set up to play a time of pos- possession battle either. Let me ask you this, just as a quick, we'll do a quick preview for whenever we get to Kirk in the off season, which I'm sure we will probably shortly after the season ends the whole um, to stay or go. But do you think if there is a new coach, can Kirk Cousins be changed in a way to think more aggressively, to be empowered, to take some of those um, shots or whatever? I say this recognizing that he's had three or maybe four offensive coordinators in his time here. So I think we know the answer, but do you think, could you talk yourself into a coach like being like, I can get Kirk to, to think differently. Cause we know that he's, he's a thinker, not a feeler really on the, on the field. Right. Yeah, no, I am. Uh, no, Kirk is, <laughs> Kirk is who we thought he was. And yeah. that play you mentioned the third down, um, third and goal is is exactly summing up Kirk's career. Kirk, what he thinks is the safe throw is a throw that's going to be completed so his completion percentage slash QBR personal stats look better than throwing it away. And he can justify it, be like, you know, I went through these reads or what wasn't there. And, you know, so this is where the play took me. So it's very much take what the defense gives you, which, again, they're not even giving you much because it's not open <laughs> either, but right. yeah, that's not, I mean, I just think we've seen it now for four years. That's not getting you above 500 very often. And it's not getting you to a Super Bowl. So we're going to have to roll the dice, I think on, on what comes next, but I don't think that Kirk Cousins is it. So, and he's good, but he's just, you know, do you want to continue in this mediocrity or not is the question, but let's move on to other elements, I guess, of the game. What do you think, knowing that neither of us really know how to break down like a defense or, you know, responsibilities on a given play, the run defense, probably one of the worst games of the season for the run defense, but that's been the weakness of this defense all season too. So talking point has kind of been like, if I can sign two big, big time defensive tackles, but their run game is, their run defense is so bad. Personally, I think that they've actually been pretty good, especially Michael Pierce and it's other issues. But do you have anywhere you want to pinpoint like what's wrong with the run defense and why are they, you know, kind of getting pushed around in this in this season? Yeah, I I'll start by agreeing with you. Michael Pierce has been great. He was he was our top graded defensive player yesterday, um, which is insane given how how successfully they ran the ball. Um, and I saw something along the lines of for the games that he's played when he's healthy, he's, he's grading out as a top five defensive right. tackle. Yeah. Um, so, so I think he's been a great signing looking for him to return to this team, whether mm-hmm. under whatever regime is ushered in or, or if Simmer sticks around, but I, I do think, Kendricks is very big in the run game. And I don't know if McVeigh had a scheme or, or, or some type of thing that, that gave him fits yesterday, but it, it, he just didn't seem to have his best game of the yep. year 
defending the run. Um, I, I think a lot of it is, is coming down to our defensive ends right now. For um, sure. This, this run defense wasn't as bad with Daniil Hunter in place and um, Everett and Griffin to, to some extent as well. Um, I just feel like the, the ends we have now are so focused on rushing the passer because we need to generate that pressure um, that sometimes they do give up the edge or over pursue or, or something along those lines. So I think the defensive line s- still needs a injection of talent even with Daniel Hunter coming back. Um, and then I think we also, we also need linebackers and I don't know if Barr will be back. Um, but the, the third linebacker behind Kendricks and Barr has been a weak spot for, for years. And Nick Vigil has made some plays and, and shined in some spots, but I don't think he's necessarily the answer either. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't see a ton of run steps out of our corners either. So Maybe, I don't know. I tend to think that Kendricks is probably just getting put in a tough spot. And just because we've seen it for so many years, how good he is. And just maybe isn't able to, whether he's covering for other people or isn't able to be quite as like instinctive and just, you know, run to the ball, but is having to absorb things or whatever. So I think it's, I'm not worried about him overall, but yeah, I do think that he's not been able to make an impact in, in the run game like he has in, in past games and seasons. So, but yeah, that's, I guess the main thing I just wanted to say was I do think that I like the D tackles and maybe, maybe the um, Dalvin Tomlinson signing was a bit redundant with Michael Pierce, but I think you can, when you can get talent on the D line, you need to do it too. So, so I don't get, I don't agree with pointing that that as a failure, as far as building in the offense, like, these two guys are responsible for your entire run defense. Like, I just don't think that's true. So, and the DNs are, yeah, they're getting beat off and not able to, to set the edge. I know there was the one play yesterday where Michael Pierce comes through right at the snap and like is in the backfield and they run out to the outside and there's just no edge and the guy, the running back gets around and gets the first down. So stuff like that. Just, he just ran through the offensive lineman, which the Viking Vikings fans should should understand what that looks like. I mean, it looks <laughs> like uh, Bradbury or, or Mason Cole just being blown back and not having any anchor, and then there there just was no help. And that that was on like a third or third or fourth down. Um, it was third and short. Yeah, could have gotten off the field, and there's just no help um, for him there. Yeah. Uh, the one other play I just, I think we haven't mentioned is the pick by Kirk to when he targeted KJ Osborne hit his hands. I mean, he was, it was contested too. So definitely more on Osborne than Kirk, but I mean, I personally, if I'm taking a shot at a guy that's covered like that, I would rather not be KJ Osborne. Like he's gotten beat a few times on those, especially slants, like where he needs to get the leverage on the defender. He just doesn't. So I don't love Kirk trusting him there, I guess, but um, I don't know if you have any other thoughts on that play, which was yeah. obviously huge in the red zone. I did see something on Twitter after that happened. Um, apparently that was KJ's first drop of the year, 41 targets. And and that was his first drop. Um, but to that, to that extent, I don't know if KJ has really made a, a super contested catch like right. that either. 
It was behind um, him a little and, bit too, yeah. Right, yeah. And and I think that throw is kind of where it needed to be, but the corner made a good play and the safety was there to scoop it up. Um, but like you said, if if we're going if there's there's no way that Justin was more covered, and I believe Adam was still in the game at that point mm-hmm. as well. That was our first time in the in the red zone. So um you would have just liked to see see the ball go to them there because as as good as KJ is, Justin and Adam do have better hands and, and are more likely to come up with that in a big spot. Yep. Yeah, maybe maybe get it a little more on his body or lower. Like, you know, they talk about those low throws in the red zone to avoid exactly that, which is the the tip and the interception. But yeah, not, you know, just an unfortunate play. And there were a few bounces. It was like, because yeah, the, on the first drive, we drop a pick. And then they get one off of a bounce and we drop another one later on. Chris Boyd had a drop. So just unfortunate. Do you have any other thoughts on the game specifically yesterday? I think there was a lot of talk post game about the lack of energy in the stadium. Mm -hmm. Um, And, and people are kind of ripping, I think Anthony Barr had a good soundbite on it, but um, Justin Jefferson mentioned that when he got to the locker room, he didn't think the energy was there and he was trying to kind of hype his guys up and obviously it didn't work. It was quite a slow start for the Vikings. Um, and it's just, just pretty, it's not a good look on the Vikings when your 22 year old second year wide receiver has to be the guy to kind of rally the troops and, and get them there. Um, and then in regards to the fans not having the energy, we lost the toss or yeah, lost the toss. So the Rams defer and we get the ball. We proceed to go three and out and then the defense drops that pick and the Rams go down and score a touchdown. So the the start of the game didn't give, give fans a lot to be excited about right. either. So I don't know how much you can really put on them as well. Those Corgi races are probably pretty electric though, right? Yeah. I will say best halftime show of the year. <laughs> Um, was not very organized, um, but it was cool to see Paul Allen is in his element of, of calling races. You can, yeah. you can tell that he does that in the summer for Canterbury Park with the horse racing um, and something that he really enjoys. Okay. Yeah. On the, on the energy thing with the team, because I do think, and we can transition to a little bit of the Zimmer question here. This is why, again, I've been very pro Zimmer and if they want to keep him, I'll support it but I do understand looking for a coaching change. Not that it's on Zimmer to necessarily motivate the guys, but I just think you've been, when you've been with the same regime for eight years now, a lot of these guys have been here for this long. I think there's just a lot of like apathy and stuff that's come in and they're used to being around 500 or whatever. And then a guy like Justin Jefferson comes in who just is used to winning national championships in college and never losing. And it's like, he's the one that cares about winning the most on this team, as far as I can tell. And I just think that potentially a culture change in that regard would be a good reason for, for a change. Not that it's necessarily even Zimmer's fault, but just that stuff gets stale. You have to shake things up and, you know, just get that. And I think it comes from Kirk too, as far as not caring about getting above 500 and like being, I just don't get the sense from him that he cares that much about winning or losing. So I did a whole rant on that before, but I don't want to do it again. But when you, when you have a loss like that, which is frustrating, 
And the only guy that seems mad about it is, is Justin Jefferson. You got to kind of ask yourself, like, who are our leaders here and what are we doing? Right. Yeah. And I think, I mean, obviously Tom Brady is a, a one of one quarterback um, and you can't have him on every team, but I just think of like Tom Brady cares about winning so much. Um, and maybe it's to a fault at some point, but it's just almost polar opposite of Kirk. I think Tom Brady would be entirely content to throw one throw for 150 yards and one touchdown a game if his team goes 16 and 0 and and they have a great chance to win win the Super Bowl where I don't know if if Kirk really is in that mindset of he needs to pad his staff so that he can secure his next contract those seem like the two things that are of a concern to Kirk yep yeah, and it doesn't necessarily have to even come from the quarterback, but when you're missing a guy like Everson, who I think brings that, you know, I don't think Harrison Smith does. I do, I'll get credit to Adam Thielen for trying to play through the ankle injury, even though it may not have been the wisest choice, but I, I do get that from him usually um, as far as being kind of that, just showing that level of of passion and care um, in winning. So, yeah, I just even, you know, whether it's on Zim or just with the roster itself, just to shake up a little bit of that leadership, you've had the same captains for many years now. And, you know, maybe you just need to change up a little bit of the, of the leadership of the roster itself too. So. Yeah. I think a good kind of parallel to point to would be the Minnesota wild. There were years and years that they were making the playoffs, but the the leadership was, was the same with Parisi and Suter. Um, Miko Koivu, etc. And then a new guy comes in, kind of shakes up the whole roster. And there was a point this year that they were the best team in the league and, and still are at the top. So maybe something along those lines. I don't know how much hockey translates to football, but just in, in regard to locker, locker room mm-hmm. presence and, and that type of thing, maybe it would work. Yeah, it's interesting when we look at Rick because – I think the Vikings get a lot of credit and they should for being a well-run organization and always taking care of their guys and stuff. And I think for the most part, those things have worked out sometimes like there may be, you know, paying a guy that they shouldn't be giving another contract to or whatever, but I think all that is good and you want to be that type of organization. But the flip side of that, when that goes too far is people just are comfortable with their like role or their, they just feel too secure almost in there in what they've done. You know, I keep thinking of like a guy like Harrison Smith, who is, is very good too. And I don't want to necessarily get rid of him, but just the guys that have been around for so long and haven't really done enough to show that they can lead this team to playoff wins or the Super Bowl either that that's where I just think that that the Vikings culture maybe has gone a little too far that direction, as far as just being comfortable with who we have and everyone being, um, yeah, happy in the role that they have rather than there's not that really desire to get better or get to the top. Right. So if you want to, I'll clear out for you, if you want to do a quick Zimmer, um, defend Zimmer, why should we keep Zimmer? Here's what I'll say. Um, I would totally understand moving on from Zimmer, um, kind of like we talked about with China, shaking up the leadership, shaking up this team, and, and just trying something new. Um, but 
there was a lot of talk on K-Fan's vent line on the way home about if, if Zimmer's gone, is Rick gone? Um, and I would put it as simply as this. This 2021 draft class, which everybody kind of felt Zimmer was coaching for his job at the beginning of this year, this 21, 2021 draft class has, has other than Darasa, who has been solid, what has it given you? Mm-hmm. I mean, the Vikings had a record number of picks or at least 10 picks. And other than the trade where we moved back and then still selected Darasa, it seemed like Rick didn't really make a lot of moves. Um, he for sure didn't make a lot of moves up the draft and I feel like if you're if you're coaching for your life or this is your your last year as as potentially the GM aren't you packaging those third and fourth round picks that you have an abundance of and moving up to get your guy um I know you're a big Chaz Sherratt fan but <laughs> it seems like I don't think I've seen him on the field once this season <laughs> no exactly I'm like, sure he's out there but I don't I haven't seen it we drafted Kellen Mond, who by all accounts is a project, and and I'm fine with the Vikings taking shots at, at quarterbacks in the draft. I think that that you definitely have to do that. But then we've got Chaz Surratt, Wyatt Davis, all these third and fourth round picks that they also just seem like more projects than immediate impact players. And I know you can't always select a guy, but I know Trayvon Diggs was available in the second round and Vikings should have had plenty of ammunition to move up at that point and and select him. Um, well, that was last year, but yes. Is this, this his is second, second year? year? Yeah. Oh, okay. He didn't do much last year. That's why. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Maybe but we took Gladney too, over but... him, so yes. Right. I don't know. It just, I don't know. It seemed like the, the strategy for the 2021 draft was not coinciding with the make or break mindset. Um, for Rick and Zimmer. So if Zimmer is gone, Rick needs to be gone first and, and hold the door for him on the way out. That's, yeah. that's my stance. Yeah. There's, it's been rough and yeah, we'll do a, we'll do a longer conversation about this, but I would, my only thing would be when you look at this, this season, I would say Zimmer is part of the problem, but there's all other problems, specifically roster construction and Clint Kubiak being the biggest which again, Zimmer chose him, but so I'd say Zimmer is, is part of the problem, but not the whole problem. Um, but I do think that part of the solution could be moving on from Zimmer, but again, I could be, if they wanted to keep him, I would support it because I do think he's a good head coach and will probably be, be one of the best head coach candidates on the market as soon as he's on it. So we did a few coach, you know, previews or whatever, by the time we record again, there may, are, we may already be into the coaching search. So We'll see, but, but give, give our one last um, thread of hope here for this season. The Vikings again are, are seven and eight, two games to play 10%, 11% playoff odds. But I know you like the tiebreakers with losing to the Rams and potentially beating the Packers. So what's the path? Yeah. Are you believing at all? Where do we go from here? I, um, I don't know if I'm necessarily believing, but I have been, since I don't know early last week I, I've been trying to tell people that if the Vikings are only going to win two out of their last three 
You want to win your divisional matchups mm-hmm. and the Rams game is the least important. Um, one, because then you beat the Packers and you mm-hmm. always want to beat the Packers, but two, the divisional break, the divisional record is, is a tiebreaker um, in some scenarios. So spent a lot of time on ESPN playoff machine and pretty much with how, how everything is broken out through week 16. Um, if you just select the rest of the games kind of go according to win percentage, the, the only things we really need to happen other than that is the Vikings have to obviously beat the Packers and then the saints need to lose one of their divisional games. So if Carolina, who I believe has beaten the saints already this year can beat beat the saints and the Vikings can beat the Packers. Um, and then everything holds true with kind of the team that is the better record wins. Um, the Vikings actually actually end up getting the sixth seed in, in that yeah. scenario. So um, they'd also be headed to LA, which I don't know if you really, I don't know. The Vikings Stafford are throws three picks it. again. Well, right. And two more that it can at least get, be dropped. But um the Vikings are definitely not in a situation where they get to pick their matchup. They just are trying yeah. to get into the, into the playoffs. But um, I believe the saints are st- starting Ian book tonight. Mm-hmm. Um, Notre call, quarterback out of Notre Dame. So I don't know. Might be Who a better knows? quarterback than Taysom Hill though, but <laughs> well, right. Yeah. That you and I have been very out on yeah. Taysom Hill, but I don't know. I I don't trust I don't trust Taysom Hill to win two divisional games. Right. Um, but I know it's the Panthers and the the Falcons, but I think the way the schedule is stacked up, the Falcons do have outside outside shot of trying to get in. Well, another thing is too. This just broke this afternoon. Jimmy G is probably going to be out for a while. He has a thumb injury of some sort, so the Niners may be in trouble too. So we'll see. Yeah, I think the Niners have the Texans and the Rams to finish the mm-hmm. year. So you would hope the Rams would hold serve yep. for kind of our tiebreaker scenarios. But I do think there's hope. It all starts with the Vikings beating the Packers on Sunday night football at Lambeau Field. Um, looks like the Packers will be playing to potentially secure home field advantage. Um, so I don't don't count on them resting all their starters, but which they have also almost lost in back-to-back weeks to a terrible looking Baker Mayfield and um, Tyler Huntley. So I I don't want to get into it with the Packers, but we beat them (laughs) once this year. Let me, let me go with that. We beat them once this year. So why not? And let's do this. If we, if the Vikings do manage to win next week, we will have a podcast and we'll, put whatever hope we can into the fight, into the finale, um, into week 18 potential playoff. We'll go with the playoff odds, all that kind of stuff. Um, if not, we will probably just sim right to the off season and we'll probably get back the week. Well, I was going to say the first week of January, but the season's all messed up now. So second week of January and be looking at Vikings off season stuff after that bears game, win or lose. So hopefully lose in that case, if they've lost already. So sound good. Sounds perfect to me. All right. Well, one last time we will say skull and hopefully we can beat the Packers. Um, my hopes are pretty dashed, but 
if there's one thing I know, they can they can get me back pretty easily. So <laughs> if there's one thing we've been asking, it's the Vikings to get above 500. Yeah. All you got to do is win out to make it happen. All you got to do. All right. All right. Thank you, sir. I'll talk to you later. Later. In situations like this, there's only two money guys on this team. Find them. Find them. Hey, what you going to do today? I got my A game. You got your A game? Yes, sir. You got his A game.